Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Chizo. This week, I'm joined by JB to go through all the big topics from round four and the days that have unfolded. Mate, how are you, champion? We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Yeah, I'm good. And it's been a while since you and I have uh, shared the mic together, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, you just get your hands off my microphone, mate. I don't want your sweaty paws all over it. No, (laughs) 1.5. 1.5 meters, that's right. We've sanitized our hands before the podcast, so we should be safe, JB. Uh, Lots and lots to get through, so we'll quickly go through some of the housekeeping we do have a few donuts that uh, you know did need a donation for during the week. Uh, Bruce Walker giving a donut for his forward line, and uh, JB, you supposedly are telling me that Benny Buzzboy has giving given you a, a a screenshot of a donation, but I'm not seeing it come up on the Cancer Council thing. We know Benny is great at his Photoshop. Is there any chance he's photoshopped a fake receipt just to get through onto the podcast without spending any money? Uh, I know he'd cheat me, but I'm not sure if he'd cheat the Cancer <laughs> Council. I think that that might be a step too far for him. But uh, he challenged me before the Port versus West Coast game as to uh, he being a West Coast supporter and myself being a supporter of Port Adelaide uh, and just put $20 on the line for the Cancer Council. Uh, obviously, Port Adelaide went on to win that. And uh, I think, or I mean, judging by the screenshot, he's left the caption uh, advising that JB is the best podcaster, Chizo. So, oh, that, now we know it's fake. That was not a stipulation in the bet. I think he, he genuinely <laughs> just feels that way. So, thank you for that, Benny. Uh, but uh, we can't actually see it on our <laughs> on our donation page. So, uh, there's every chance it didn't happen at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit interesting there, Benny. I I got to say, I had a, a bet with Meso during the week about who would end up with Zo or Esso at the end of our names because we came up against in rivalry league, and I'm happy to say that Meso's had his name just beautified there a little bit. He's got the M A Z O, and uh, I think he's all the better for it. You know, JB, I don't think he's going to go back. Meso, if you do go back, you're just going backwards in time. You, you've got to move on and, and get, uh, you know, forget about the past. You can't change it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into the important Supercoach stuff now. JB, all the housekeeping out of the way. The one thing that I want to talk about at the top of the show is the moving fixtures. You know, as the days are changing um, and the, the rounds are going on, we've got to be fluid to this. It's something that we see every single week um, that, you know, it, something new pops up and it's just another one of those things that um, the, the AFL has realised just how much we hate um, Thursday games and so they've put an absolute cracker on a Thursday just to make sure that nobody bothers watching so that we can get rid of them and our super coach, um, you know, scoring can go back to normal when we can just wait for the full teams on the Thursday night and then bang a VC on Friday if we want to because usually Thursday just throws everything out and I'm sick of it. Well, they, they did have to move a couple of games around. I think uh, West Coast versus uh, Richmond, I think it was, was supposed to be the Thursday. And uh, Queensland weren't allowing uh, Richmond to enter the state. So they did have to switch a few things around. We've ended up with Carlton versus St. Kilda on the Thursday night, which, as you said, should be a game uh, for the ages, edge of your seat type stuff. Both teams are actually in good form. So I think they do deserve a little bit of a spotlight. Maybe Thursday uh, solo game, not the... Uh, Easiest way to, to ease someone into something like that. But um, we've also seen uh, Melbourne now face Richmond on the Sunday and West Coast play Sydney on the Saturday now. So uh, this is going to be an interesting thing to watch uh, with interest during the season. Uh, I'd hate for someone to be loopholing a person on the bench or 
um, in maybe your captaincy, and then uh, all of a sudden you've realized that a game has been shifted on us and uh, that loophole no longer applies. So um, I think it's going to be interesting. It might make people a little bit more timid to actually do the the 13 loopholes or bench loopholes or captain loopholes that we do uh, during the week uh, based on some of this stuff. So um, again, it's, it's going to be interesting to talk about. Uh, Cheese, I'd love your opinion actually uh, on what might happen if the Victorian clubs keep getting denied entry into the other states. Um, could force a two-week hold, maybe a quarantine period before we can hub up somewhere mm. in uh, another state. Yeah, it's interesting. I know this is kind of detracting from a little bit of the Supercoach talk that you're probably um, looking forward to, community, but the thing is, at some point, there's going to be a two-week break. I think we've seen enough evidence in the first four rounds, enough things move sideways, games needing to be changed, games being postponed, players being quarantined. There's going to be a stage where things get out of control and we probably just can't solve the issue that week. It's going to be one of those things where, you know what, Let's just slow everything down. Let's quarantine for two weeks, make sure everyone's sweet, move everyone to a hub for a fortnight or four weeks or whatever, and then we can move from there because it's such a fluid environment that we have to be able to adapt to it. And the same with Supercoach. It's something that we've been preaching for a while. It's not give up season. It's adapt season. Let's try and find a way through this. What strategy can we come up with that is going to um, you know, safeguard us for the future? If we go too trade heavy and then suddenly we've got a bunch of players out this week that we'll talk about soon, is that exposing us? Could we have done something safer? Could we have picked a player with less injury history that could have set us up better in the future? That's definitely something to talk about. Um, but I guess the, the main thing coming from Queensland JB, is that there's no way that we wanted the Tigers up here anyway. They've been disgusting. I think it was just purely on a watching football standpoint. Um, they slog the ball forward and then just shank it out of bounds. It's just not exciting football, apparently. Um, and we just didn't want them in here. So, you know, I totally, totally agree where we should just try and trap them in Victoria and make them play all the other teams down there for a while. Just... Uh, I'm very proud of the Queensland hub. It's gone quite well. I, I'm, <laughs> I know you, you've been champing at the bit to get a South Australian hub going on, but um, I'm not sure if that one's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, I, I think two-week break at some point will happen. We've been told that they've got up until December to finish the season. Well, if we do, then the simplest solution is just slow everything down, get everyone back, and that's going to actually probably be beneficial for us that have a few injuries here and there. So... Uh, I'm not really understanding the absolute necessity to play every game as soon as humanly possible, um, as you say. So um, some point in the future, I'm predicting a two-week break, but we'll, we'll see what happens from I, there. I will, um, I will jump in, Chizo. Uh So with the whole uh, relevancy to Supercoach, as you said, uh, you kind of alluded to it. Um, if we do receive a two-week break, for example, in, in maybe next week, uh, I doubt it would happen that soon. There's already fixtures up, but... Um, for whatever week we do sense that it might be coming up, uh, it does actually have an injury uh, implication. Uh, so obviously, fire owners right now, if they knew that they were going into a two-week break in a week's time, would be more inclined to hold that five, for example. So it could have some form of uh, supercoach ramifications, mostly positive ones, unless you're looking at rookies who might get pushed out from injured uh, superstars. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is that they've um, they've thrown up the whole... Uh, we might not actually have every team play each other. Uh, that might be concerning because um, someone, for example, like Bulldogs versus uh, 
GWS. They're not quite in the same state, um, maybe close enough. But uh, my Bontepelli has already versed the Boar, and I don't want him to do it again, or, or Sydney versus GWS, or whatever it might be. So um, it might have implications, small implications, a bit, but um, there might be something uh, Supercoach related in there. We just have to keep an eye on the news and, and sort of see how we can adapt, like you said. Yeah, and if we do get some indications a few weeks out, that's going to be super handy to do it uh, to help us with our decision making. I think what I'm tending to agree more and more with is the idea that we try and stay as safe as possible. If you've got players like Kelly Fife that always get injured, have never played a full season, always seem to come down with soft tissues or impact injuries or whatever, it just seems like a simple move to me to take someone that might play 20, you know, usually would play 20 rounds and average maybe slightly less than what Fife's doing just to save that trade because I I think it's going to be very difficult to get our full side um, you know fully upgraded to the point that we just have an absolutely um, pumping team if we're just doing too many too many um, sideways and I, I guess this kind of leads into something that we had later on down the run sheet is considering that we're trying to we're kind of like trading every sideways play that we can through injury it's kind of been it's a short season it's all about the points uh you've got to trade five you've got to trade premiums that are out for one week definitely trade them out if they're anything close to two weeks uh, is that something you subscribe to or do you think there's a middle ground in between um trying to maximize points um by going to a premium but also trying not to uh burn all those trades going sideways and never actually progressing that team forward yeah, so it is kind of team dependent, but uh, essentially what you've uh, alluded to there is the trade to premium or premium required ratio. And we like to allow for two trades for each upgrade, obviously one up, one down. Uh, some Uber premiums might require three trades even. So uh, if you're just operating on the fact that you need two trades per premium, I'm having a look at my team right now. I still need at least seven... 20 premiums. <laughs> I still need at least seven <laughs> premiums. Uh, and for, uh, I probably need uh, more more likely um, eight premiums. So if I look at that, that windows my trades down all the way down to three if I go one up, one down from here on out. Um, and judging by the season so far, the more compact uh, season that we're having, soft tissue injuries seem to be uh, more apparent in, in the game at the moment and three injury trades or correctional trades it just does not feel like it anywhere near enough so um, it might be that we're not getting to full premium this season it might be that we're keeping players like Matty Rao uh, even if he does drop off a bit of a cliff Devin Smith included in that um, but I think the whole sidewaysing premiums or jumping off a player who's out for one week for example Zach Merritt uh, it just is should be lost in the game this year because um, otherwise we're not going to get close to full premium so that that opens up an interesting question because there was a paradigm shift in saying that, you know, if there's a premium out for one week, heck it, let's just trade him to the next one to keep the points up so I can keep my rank going. But hey, the problem is there may actually be the potential for those players that started off slow that haven't been sideways trading to keep the points up, that have just been generating cash and getting the right rookies in waiting for them to appreciate and then actually ending up with a more advanced team in the later rounds just because of how the cash is generating this year. I don't see it appreciating, I mean, apart from Matty Rao, who's just putting up stupid numbers. I'm not seeing the rookies 
you know, putting up 100K in a week, 80K in a week, as frequently as what we have in the past. You know, we've had three rounds of price appreciation. We've got a, n- a number of our rookies that have only gone up 90K. Yep. The ones that are that have got really good job security have been, um, you know, playing in pretty decent roles. They haven't actually made us, you know, the three hundred thousand dollars that we were previously banking on. So, as much as people have been, you know, preaching that you've just got to make sure you go points, 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 points. I actually see that there's the potential that playing a little bit of a slow game early, making sure you're um, getting the right cash generation in, might actually have the potential to outrun those that start fast. So uh, it's just something that I'm playing with. And maybe that's a little bit of um, confirmation bias for me because that's the, the strategy that I've had to go with because of how badly affected I've been by the changes that have happened at the start of the year. So, But I just think it's definitely something something to think about. And leading on from that, JB, I want to get your opinion after the things we've just talked about. Seeker11 on Twitter sent us all a question that um, I think was a really good question. He's got a question for the pod. How on earth do I deal with Hal and Hal and Stuart? I don't know why I put an L on the end. Uh, <laughs> do I double trade to other primos? And if so, who? Is there anywhere to trade one this week or next week to generate some cash? And where's the delete my team button? JB, this leads into that question. For those that are significantly injured, I think the same thing applies in getting rid of them. And if you know, if there's a, a, a one-week injury, I still think that we could argue for the point of holding them. Is, it, is that something you agree with? What's your thoughts? Yeah, so I think one or two weeks I'm happy to hold. Uh, three to four weeks, you're more so looking at a trade. Uh, someone like Jeremy Howell obviously... Uh, fits into the category of uh, probable season-ending injury. Uh, Stewart, I assume, will be out for a few weeks as well. I'm not um, certain on the whole collarbone injury and how how broken collarbone uh, heals or, or how far, fast he might come back. You're probably it's better suited to answer that. Sorry? It's a trade. It's a trade. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah you'll have to trade him. So uh, in those instances, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more inclined to trade. Now, where to is a great question. And I think this season... Uh, branching on more from the fact that we only have X amount of trades for X amount of premiums, I think it's a really good opportunity to not just sideways or even upgrade, for example. We'll talk about Lockie Neal and his price tag soon, um, but to actually try and make cash off of these injuries so you're still progressing your cash flow or your, your at least your bank balance for future upgrades. So um, it's why a lot of us went Jai Simpkin in round two, 380K, now looking like a keeper a premium. So that's a, a really cheap premium. Uh, Ridley is now looking like that type of player as well. And Bontempelli uh, obviously did not start the season well. Uh, obviously had a great game on the weekend. Still 575K with a low break even. Uh, you're not going to find many players that can go uh, 115, 120 over a stretch for less than 600K. So uh, I think we need to really, really target and hone in on great value trades. And the the whole upgrading someone to the best possible premium might also be behind us. Uh, it's just, I mean, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to discuss. Um, do these people go down to Stephen Hill and, and next week make try and make two upgrades, for example? Um, there's obviously a lot to discuss in this podcast, but um, at the very least, Jesus, we're looking at trading both those players and um, I'm actually in the camp of holding someone like a Nat 5 for one or two weeks. 
Yeah, and I certainly agree with you in many respects there. I think in specific to Seeker's question, um, is it just Howe and Stewart to other premiums? I think this kind of ties into what I'm saying. There's got to be a combination of, you know, the the point side of things is saying, well, you've lost two premiums, you've got to get rid of them uh, for for two other premiums. And, you know, that makes absolute sense. But the problem is, you're also making that decision knowing that this is the round that you may need to get on some of these rookie price players. I think if Stephen Hill can average 70 for us for the year, that's an absolute win because when can you get someone priced at 190K? No, fairly surely you're going to get a pretty solid 70 every week and his job security is not in danger. And like um, at, at any given time, one of our, our, our rookies could be disappearing from our size. We saw Pickett. You know, he he was the most highly owned player above Matty Rao. I think he, I think he was before last round when he was dropped. And you know, you have a couple of bad games and you're out of there. So I, I think it's it's understated how important it is to have rookies that have genuinely good job security. And for that reason, I actually picked him up. Broke rule number one in Supercoach, which is to get someone before they've played, just because. Everyone else had such shaky job security in my eyes that I, I thought that if Stephen Hill can get four or five weeks out of it, you know he's going to give me that cash and also that DPP flexibility that I was happy to do it. So, Seeker, I think the thing that you're going to have to ask yourself this week is if you're highly ranked and you really want to go for the points, then it's an easy straight swap of Howe and Stewart to any of the other um, available top-scoring defenders that you may be looking at without seeing your team i don't know who you may or may not have but the the, the there's um plenty to choose from that are scoring well at, at the start of 2020 if on the other hand you may be in the middle of the pack maybe you're playing a little bit for league and you think that the cash generation side of things is actually a little bit more important than just sidewaysing if you think it's more important to get the likes of young hill sarong these Fremantle guys then maybe it's a one-up, uh, sorry, a, a, a one sideways of how to, let's say, uh, Maynard, for example, um, and then getting Hill in for someone else or, or even using Stewart to get Hill in as well and then going up to a premium from someone else in another line next week. So uh, definitely something to think about and it's all team dependent and it's also dependent on your goals and what you're trying to get out of 2020. So um, that's going to be a decision that's completely in your hands and only you can make it. So I hope that kind of frames it in a way. I've got, a, I've got way. a question for you, Cheezer. Sure, shoot. Um, would you be opposed to doing something like Stuart and Howe to a Ridley and Hill combo and then targeting someone like Shannon Hearn with a 130 break-even about to drop it to around to about 510K, uh, returning to the, the West Coast hub in a week's time, um, and so, so essentially this week you get in Ridley and Hill, make a lot of cash and both those players are going to still make you a lot of cash and, or be a keeper in Jordan Ridley. And then next week, make an upgrade at the very least one upgrade to how say Stasevich to Hearn, and then maybe even attempt to make another upgrade elsewhere with the, the cash that you've made. Um, these are the type of value moves that I'm, I'm sort of looking towards with my team and, um, like I've traded how I think to Bonson Pelly this week, and then I'm trying to cash someone else in for Stephen Hill. I don't have the the multiple injuries though, so my situation is a little bit different. But mm. what do you think about going full bore 
give me all the value right now and then I'll upgrade to these full-on premiums as they come. Well, that's sort of what I'm saying. So um, you've got to kind of weigh up exactly what your goals are and how is best to achieve them. In that situation, I am still 50-50 on whether Ridley is going to be a season-long keeper that's going to... um, you know, challenge the likes of Sicily and Lloyd and Caleb Daniel over the length of the season. He's scoring quite well, and we know he has that scoring potential in his previous years. Whether he can do that for a full season is something we've never seen before, so you're definitely taking a risk. As I said at the start of the, the, the top of the podcast, I'm very much on my strategy right now is buying known commodities someone that will give me a safe 100. They Ridley might be one of those. He's averaging 109.3. He might do that for the entire year. He's, he's having a, a great start. But at least with someone um, like a Caleb Daniel, yes, he's 130K more expensive, but he's a little bit more of a known commodity. You can kind of bank that three-figure average for the entire year. So in reference to your question... Shannon Hearn, yes, he would be someone that I would like to get in because I think he's a known, known commodity and I'm going to maximize my cash generation uh, and it's going to work in my favor by getting him next week after he's dropped a little bit more cash. So yeah, I can absolutely see um, a strategy where you might say get how out for a premium this week and you might instead trade um, someone like, let, let's say, Max King gets dropped for whatever reason. Maybe you sideways him to Hill for a, a few dollars and then find a way to get um, Stewart to, uh, to to Hearn next week. Because these injured guys, injured guys aren't going to lose cash this week because they're not playing. So if you wanted to hold them for one more week to maximize that um, the cash that you save by going to Hearn, I can totally understand that. I think that's a great move. Yeah, no, I understand that as well. Um yeah, so it's it's the whole. So right now we're pretty much butting heads on the whole value versus uh, insta point gain. And yeah, uh, my my kind of opinion at the moment, and the game is changing week by week, as we know. Um, there's there's so many things uh, changing with footy and with Supercoach as we speak. But my my stance at the moment is to try and just maximize value with every single trade, regardless of whether it's an injury trade. Uh, where you're replacing someone or an upgrade, downgrade, whatever it might be. Um, I think Ridley this week is um, as must-get as Howe was in his second week, as Simpkin was in his second week. Because if you can get these guys who are cheap premiums, who end up making you money as a worst-case scenario, then you're you're essentially looking at completing your team with... Uh, if, if you finish your team in defense, and defense, by, uh, let me say, is very... Very speculative at the moment as well. There are barely any premiums outside of Doherty and, and Jake Lloyd. Um, if you finish your season with Jordan Ridley at D6, who you bought for, yeah, I'm not yep. quite sure what he is this week, 420k, 410k, then I think you're doing extremely well. Simpkin, for example, is going to be somewhere in my forward line, 380k. Um, so those, those are the types of things that if you can jump on and ride them at a low price, and worst case scenario, they make you 80k before they poo the bed and you have to get them out. And <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how far I could go with the, the whole swearing on the podcast there. I think you yeah. dropped a swear word last week, but... Um, I probably did. Didn't get a beep I, I, I'm I, getting, was, I was shocked at that. I had to close nah, my ears. No, nah, look, mate, I, I, I've heard you play Fortnite before. I don't, we don't need to get into this. <laughs> we don't need to get into discussion. That's true. But that's yeah, true. I, I hope that kind of covers exactly uh, how we're seeing this year. It's definitely... Um, 
we thought it would be very, very linear in that it was just get as many points as you can as quick as you can. Yep. But we're definitely seeing a, a few little green shoots popping up that are saying that, hey, you know, the old tried and true method of holding a few trades, making sure you've got that cash generation in place. If you, you, you pick some safe premiums that don't typically get injured, you've got some, maybe you've got some extra luck on your side this year by knowing that they're going to be playing most weeks. Maybe that is going to be the strategy that wins out overall. I think we were looking before, JB, that the team that's actually leading overall in Supercoach right now had six zeros on the bench last week, not generating any cash for him. And maybe that's going to come back and bite him. So it's just something to talk about. And um, that that little bit of a discussion went in. It was probably a bit too in depth uh, for me and you, JB. We probably needed pistol on to uh, you know he, how much he loves his numbers. But unfortunately, how the uh, season's going so far, we had to send him into the shop for some calibrating, get some oil changed. <laughs> he needed um, an upgrade. <laughs> and it needed needed a, a motherboard upgrade. So uh, he'll be back fighting uh, fighting fit soon enough. Um, I guess this jumps into. Very, very straight questions. If you were trading Stewart and Howe this week, JB, who would be your targets? Uh, firstly, sorry, if I was trading both, yeah, I would be targeting Hill or and Or just the, the premiums that you've liked the look of. Okay, uh, so Rid- Ridley would start me off um, as as per my whole uh, finding value in, in premium players. Besides yep. that, uh, defense is, is really disgusting. If I could flip him to a midfielder, uh, there's better options in there, but I'm sure we'll discuss that with Fife later on. Um, with defense, you're pretty much looking at Jake Lloyd, uh, who might see a slight price decrease this week, but is essentially near enough his basement price if he keeps um, bashing out tons. Players like Luke Ryan have just have not looked it at the moment, and Stewart obviously is one of the injured guys that we're replacing. Unfortunately, mm. Howe is as well, and he was the only guy looking good this year. So, yeah, um, I suppose if you didn't have Doherty, it's a, it's a prime time to just get him in and and cop the hundred to two hundred k loss that you've already taken on not starting that pick. Um, otherwise, cheese. I'm struggling to find defensive options that really tickle my fancy, unless. Um, you would recommend a, a Maynard or a Crisp to sort of take over a Jeremy Howe role? It's interesting. I actually think the loss of Jeremy Howe may hurt their freedom. I think that their that his points won't necessarily translate into a big uptick for them. Um, I think that pretty much... I, I honestly think it's probably going to hurt Maynard. I think Maynard comes closer down towards three, finger, three figures without, without Howe there, so... Um, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but as I've echoed, I'll just echo my sentiments from before. For me, it's known commodities. I'm looking at Sicily, probably going to go 100. Sicily uh, is the other one I forgot there. Yeah, Daniel's probably going to go 100. If you don't have Sam Doherty, um, it's kind of going against the grain of me saying picking pick non-injury prone players, but um, 60% of the competition have him, and it's it kind of feels like Lockie Neal right now that if you're one of those players that don't have Sam Doherty, you see him averaging 130 in defence. Uh, that that's you know it's certainly hurting uh, hurting you quite badly. But on top of that, I think that the there's so many players that are averaging between 95 and you know 105 that we just haven't seen do it before. We've got Levi Casbolt averaging 97. 
So I think the important thing for me is just picking known commodities that are safe, know that what they can do, and going forward, I'm confident that they may not be the highest scorer for the year based on how players are impacted by the scoring changes, the shorter games, everything we've talked about before. I would feel more comfortable picking those and filling out my side that way rather than taking, you know, it's nice to pick up a Jai Simpkin, but you're not going to find 30 Jai Simpkins to fit into your team. And we're talking about Ridley. I wish I could. Ridley maybe being one in defense. So we've got Simpkin and we've maybe got Ridley. You know, so the the overwhelming majority are going to be known commodities. And while it's sexy to pick up all these guys that are breaking out and scoring way above and they're so cheap right now and I can save 100K by getting this guy, but they're no different to the mid-price players at the start of the year that we say don't fill your team with because if they all poo the bed straight away, to use your terminology, JB, <laughs> you no getting out of that because once you pick up too many of them, you're stuck with them and they're going to be your premiums for the rest of the year. So I think that's um, that's that, that's kind of how I see things. If we do move into the midfield, you've already talked about Fife. I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about who you would like to bring in for him. You cannot say Jai Simkin because you've said him too many times already. I'm going to challenge you to say someone else, JB. Um, we've got the, the Fife dilemma. They say that he's aiming to come back for the Derby, Derby, whatever you want to say. <laughs> That's in say? three weeks. So they say it's a one to two week injury, but we're hoping he's back in three weeks. That sounds like a two week injury to me. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like that. I mean, one one week for a hamstring. I don't care if it's tightness or whatever it is. Uh, it just doesn't really happen in the league these days. They're very aware of their hamstrings, if I don't say so myself. But um, I'd be very, very surprised if it was just one week. Uh, two weeks seems at the very least guaranteed. Uh, and then we've got the Derby uh, or Derby. I say Derby. Um, yeah, me too. That they, <laughs> that they are now. Well, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure the terminology was hoping that they he returns for the Derby or their. Now I've said it both ways. I don't know <laughs> I've really set you up it. here. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like it's like yeah. pistol with with his mate Gatorade in the forward line. Oh yeah, Georgie Georgiades. Good good job on that one, pistol. Um, but yes, anyway, so uh, it looks like it's minimum two weeks, potentially three weeks. He really sits on the fence of that. Do we trade him out or do we not? Um, if he was my only injury this week, if I for some reason was very upset with myself for not having Jeremy Howe to this point and uh, didn't have Stewart or um, Naismith, who are, are less owned, um, and Fife was my only injury, I would probably look to, to trade him and try and find value elsewhere in the midfield just in case it does become a three-week thing. Um, if he was one of my three or four injuries, there's no way I'd be considering trading him. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. One thing that I would say is that this is probably like it sounds like a two week injury from what they're saying that they're hoping he'll be back for the third week um, when they play West Coast. I think in this sort of season, two weeks, particularly if you don't have someone like Lockie Neal and you know you have a little bit of cash and reserves, or maybe you're doing a bit of a downgrade to get um, to to get one of these rookies that we might be able to pick this uh, this week. I see it as a pretty simple solution to go from a five to a nil because in my eyes, this was something that you knew was going to happen at some point during the year and you had to recognize that going into the season. There, there was, um, the, the, I think Pistol's theory was 
they're playing five less games, so there's five less chances for them to do a hammy. The problem is there's still that risk that he's going to do it, and injury-prone players, as we've seen with Kelly, Fife, it's the outlier year when they play a full year. You you have to recognise that the the high majority of these players are going to get re-injured or just miss a week here and there, not necessarily get injured. Maybe they're a bit tight or whatever. And that's something that you have to plan for. And I think this year, I'm as I've said before, I'm definitely going in towards the safer, non-injury-prone players, the players that have many, many years of consistently playing full seasons are the ones that I'm very, very much looking forward to bringing into my side as opposed to... You know, I think if it got to the stage where Fife is still averaging in his 120s and it's like round eight and I'm looking to upgrade someone, I'm still looking at those that play full seasons around him and maybe I pick him up for the last two, three months. and uh, Sorry, the, the last two, three weeks and hopefully I get lucky as one of my last upgrades. That's that's kind of how I see it. And so if he's my only only injury this week, I'm almost tempted just to say that's a pretty easy trade out to another premium. Yeah, if it, if it was my only injury for sure, I'll, I'd be swinging him. Um, you kind of contradicted me a little bit at the start there, Chizo, by mentioning Lockie Neal and the fact that he could be, uh, it could be your way to, to navigate yourself to Lockie Neal, um, who's obviously at an extremely elevated price uh, given his good start to the season. Probably going to go higher as well, considering his break-even is well and truly achievable by his already set standards for the year. Um, I just think, and this this might be a bad or a hot take and a bad take at the same time, mm. I just don't think Neil, if you've missed out on him thus far, I don't think paying over 700k in a season where we need to penny pinch and, and make it, find as much value as we can, I just don't think it's going to be a profitable move in the long run. And I know he, he's probably going to average 130 to 140 from now on, um, or... I'll broaden that a little bit, 120 to 140. I assume he doesn't go the entire season without a single tag, so something will bring that average down a little bit there. Mm. Um, but while he's at this elevated price of a 700K, I just I, I can't fathom spending that much on a player, no matter how close I am to him with another player who's been injured. Now, Fife obviously is at a decent price as well. I'd still be looking at going down to someone like Tom Mitchell, uh, 594k just pumped out of 143 was tackling a lot better shoulder looks um, to have healed from whatever the injury was um, he looks a lot better now um, he he's incredible value at 594k the guy who just doesn't score sub 90 um, Bonds and Pelly I spoke about earlier who's just turned his form around uh, with a big game on the weekend has gotten past a couple of heavy tags um, already in the season which pumped his price all the way down to 575 uh, so I think he's good value. And Dangerfield, who came out as well this week and um, had a really good score for pretty much the first time since the season started, um, a lot of people started with him. He's 559K, Chizo. He's lost 66K. Um, now, we know what he's capable of in a, in a full season. He plays Gold Coast this week. So um, I just think there are so many value options that we can look to instead of having to upgrade a premium who is already a premium. So now now we're spending another trade going up to someone and we're probably spending close to 100K to go up to someone. Yeah. Whereas that money, I think, is just best spent elsewhere on your field. Yeah, and I, th- I think the, the uh, there's a couple of things that probably support your your stance there is that Lockie Neal 
in 2019. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I think he averaged 140 in the first month. Yep, Some, and then dropped down that, to like 113 or 112 or something. That, oh yeah, that's right. I think he averaged 116 for the remaining 18 rounds for the year when he got more attention um, and just kind of slowed down a little bit. You know, I, I there's absolutely no way he averages 160 for the season. No. Just straight out. And so is he overpriced right now? You'd have to say maybe a little bit. Maybe he is a little bit overpriced. I think he definitely is. But in saying that, only 47% of the teams do have him, and this may your own, may be your only legitimate chance to get him because, you know, we're looking at some of these rookies trying to appreciate. We've got Connor Buderick that's played every single game. He's only made it, what, 90, 110K? He's, he's doubled in price to 220K. You know, how much more does he have to go with the new scoring system? You know, um, looking around the field, do you see those four players that you're going to need to, to to downgrade to make enough cash to be able to upgrade someone to Lockie Neal. Maybe this is the only legitimate chance that you'll have for the next 10, 13 rounds to spend this big because at some point Lockie Neal will become 700k, but what if that's in round 14? You know, like this is you you can't can you go the entire season seeing other teams come up against you with Lockie Neal with the C against them, you're just like, all right, Grundy, this is the big one. Come on. You're averaging 30 less than Neal, but I, I feel good about this week. You know, like, that. that's the kind of point I'm making in that I think that it's it's relevant what you're saying that he's overpriced and we need to save as much cash as possible to upgrade our team as best as possible. I'm just saying for those in that situation that seems like a really simple sideways move if that's what you're inclined for and you have a little bit of cash in reserve. I 100% understand your your perspective there. And he it's an 80K sideways move, um, yeah. but it is the closest you're going to get to him, as you said, uh, 5, 6, 70K. Um, if he didn't get injured, he would, he would have made more money as well and gotten a lot closer to that price tag. So you're very unlucky there. Um, the fear factor is huge, especially especially the captaincy factor. And I can probably, um, if if anyone can hear Pistol screaming from suburbs <laughs> over at us not mentioning the captaincy factor so far, um, I do apologise. Um, but yes, the captaincy is a large factor. It's it's something that you'll you'll be able to live with knowing that you've got at least um, two captaincy options, two big captaincy options, probably three, um, assuming you've got the the two big ruckmen. Um, that's that's huge. Uh, that I mean, Pistol ignored Grundy, who was coming into this week sore, um, to vice captain Neil into Grunt uh, into Gorn. So if there's any sort of question mark over any of those three players, you've got two really heavy hitters that are, are coming in to back you up as as captaincy options. So um, that's a huge factor as well. Um, you're going to make a lot of points that way too. In my opinion, for those people who don't have him already. Uh, as as unfortunate as it is, and trust me, I'm I'm in your shoes. I'm in that boat as well. I think we have missed the boat. I, I don't think it's sensible to now pay seven hundred and fifty plus thousand dollars in this game to trade up to a player who um, is probably going to live up to um, form that has him priced as the highest player in the game right now. Um, he's probably going to score in the in the one forties for the rest of the season, I'd say. Um, but it's it's just the the fact that we need every cent that we can get. 
I think we just have to tip our hats to those who have him and hope that he puts out a couple of bad scores so we can eventually get him in. Um, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. It's, it's just that simple. Um, we have to use that money that other people used to upgrade to him uh, early in the season, whether they had an injury and spent 100K. We just have to use that effectively and try and bag the points back some way. It sucks, and it's it's a realization that um, it, it just feels bad in every single way because he's so good, and, he, and he's, it doesn't look like he's going to slow down. But if you, when you come to that realization that the money just isn't worth it for this season, then yeah, we, we, we just have to better use our minds to think about where we spend it to, to make the points back elsewhere. Yeah, and I really like the way that you've described that. It's the benefit of your entire team as opposed to just getting this one play in and compromising the rest of it. So I think that Absolutely. Yeah, that 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 explains it really well. And if you've you've missed the boat, like myself on Lockie Neal, you've just got to play the patient game. Wait for him to have that one bad game, that one sub tum that he will have at some stage, and then maybe a fortnight after that you can pick him up first. And if it's any consolation, up. Ben Keys, I think it's Ben, uh, one yes. of the keys, um, held him to I know he had sixty five at half time. Um, I think that was a speculative 65 at best. I think he was probably a flat 50 for that half. Um, but he, he got about four or five disposals late in that quarter um, where they sort of laid off the tag a little bit and then they dropped it completely for the second half that allowed him to go up to 147. If an actual football player, an actual AFL player, not Ben Keys, <laughs> tags Lockie Neal for the entire game, there is every chance he's held to a score of 110-120. And he's good enough to still get that on a tag, um, but maybe he's not. Maybe one one game Brisbane are just so far ahead and Lockie Neal doesn't need to do anything and they don't drop the tag, he scores 80. It is in the realms of possibility. He's not Superman. He's not going to score 160-plus every single week. Um, we just have to be patient and and pray that he puts out one of those bad scores or gets tagged. It could happen this week against Paul. I know yeah. uh, they've got Dan Houston and uh, Tom Rockliffe who have done those roles before. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them had a look at him for at least a couple of quarters this week. Look, I'd be really happy if they put Dan Houston on Lockie Neal because at least then he's around the bloody ball. <laughs> he's in the cuts at That's least. the one thing he hasn't done this year is go anywhere near the bloody football. Well, he'll get about 20 tackles, so there's 80 points <laughs> for him, mate. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I th- that's a really good discussion. I really appreciate that, JB. Uh, I-, I think the other midfield uh, dilemma that a lot of people have, uh, well, not a lot of people, but some people who have brought in Zach Merritt in the last couple, uh, particularly last week, uh, I think the one-week suspension is a-, a pretty simple hold for me based on everything that we've talked about. Yeah, but so unlucky. Um, yeah. I don't think the suspension was unlucky. It's a, a very silly thing to do is you punched a bloke. To-, to strike a player like that. But... Um, very unlucky for those who traded him in just for just for that to happen. It's like it's like you accidentally run someone over with your car. It's like oh, but I was going slow, you know. Like you still you still <laughs> ran him over. You know what I mean? Like you still punched a bloke. It's unfortunate that you broke his rib and bruised his lung. You still punched him though. You, you know? still like, punched him. You, just, cho- you chose to punch. It's a it's, silly action, yeah, isn't it? It's it's just unlucky. Like it, it, yeah, you absolutely. Know, things happen. Survey time. Do, do the crime save time or whatever the saying is. So, uh, yeah, it's close to that. Now, what about Pistol's dad's favourite bloke, the old coffee shop meetup that convinces <laughs> us to get him in our Supercoach sides in 2019 and 2020, let me put it. What does Pistol do with Naismith? Uh, so this, this, one, this one becomes difficult if he's your R2. And I, I don't know how you survived that so far because he did miss two weeks. <laughs> I assume most Had people... Had Cameron for that one week and then Cherry... Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, could have. I, I, I assume most people... Blind, I mean, they could have had Segler is pretty much what I'm trying to say here. Um, but I assume most players either traded him to Pitnet at that time or traded someone from their forward line up to Pitnet um, to just have that consistent cover there. So um, if he is your R2, it becomes a lot more tricky. But if he's your R3, like a lot of people out there who still own him, I think you simply um, cash in Try and go to Stephen Hill if you can, if you've got some uh, flexibility in that forward line. For example, um, uh, I think it's Komen is the the mid, the, sorry, the forward ruck that people shift around. Um, and you would have had to, you would have had to have traded someone to Pitnet, so they probably are in your forward line as well. Um, so yeah, either trade him to Hill and, and bank that cash, or try and trade him up, whatever it is. But you can't hold him; he's he's got to go. Um, if he is your R two, then I think you pretty much are stuck. You, you kind of have to trade him to Pitnet, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess Which I'd agree with that. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, the 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 pricing is still a hundred thousand different. So the likelihood that you just have that lying around to get Pitnet is, I think, is unlikely. How, how to read? How to Ridley and then yeah, Naismith to Pitnet. Yeah. It's going to have to be something like that. All right, I I, I can see that. Um, in the situation where he's your R two and you've got nothing else to worry about, I think that puts you in a, a a very very sticky situation because you're forced to try and find a hundred thousand somewhere, and we really don't have that. You could could think to yourself. Um, let's get a, a noble down to Stephen Hill. We'll hold on. That only makes me seventy k. Um, you know, let's do a Starsevich down to 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 Hill. Maybe oh, that's only going to get us ninety k. So you really are in a sticky situation. Maybe it's a, a situation of going Duday down to Stephen Hill, um, giving up on that mid priced um, defender strategy to get another rookie in. Um, maybe that's your play to try and do something like that. Um, or if you really, really, really want to cut against the grain and we see Cherry named again this week, JB, maybe a little sneaky Oof. 50 on field uh, <laughs> um, and then squeeze him out to uh, R3 or something and something like that. I'm running out of ideas, mate. I think. What, what if I, you had Fife and Naismith? Um, would you then look to make the 100k for Fife down to... Um, don't say Simkin. <laughs> well, Simkin would be better, honestly, but Bontepelli <laughs> in this example... Uh yeah no I, I agree with that um that that'd be a, a, hopefully I, people have options there but that it's that almost better difficult. to have two premiums injured this week if you have Naismith <laughs> if you've got Naismith isn't that sure. annoying because <laughs> because all the solutions we're coming up with for people that only have Naismith injured are let's move some rookies around when the simple solution is just downgrade one of the other premiums but it's just so hard to do that when you don't have anyone else that's injured. <laughs> Like, uh, that's going to be super, super tricky. So, uh, tough situation. I'll be interested to see how um, people do navigate that. Uh, Speaking of navigating premiums, JB, there's a lot of them that we have to try and navigate around, and they are the underperforming type of premiums. The likes of Cripps, McRae, Hearn, Whitfield, Martin. Do we just stick fat? How long do we put up with these below par scores before we look to try and upgrade them or if you've got them, keep them? I can't, yeah. I think the answer is kind of forever at this point. Um, We did talk at the top of the podcast about um, premiums needed uh, compared to trades available and uh, needing, you know, the one-up, one-down strategy of probably two trades minimum per premium um, with some needing three. 
I think at this point, if you're like me and you've made maximum trades every round, you're looking at 19 trades left. And uh, I mean, I hope a lot of people got on how earlier than I did, but not a lot of people got on Simpkin. So I'm not exactly sure how many premiums you require in your team, but I'm looking at at least uh, eight. I think I said at the top of the podcast. So um, that leaves you with about three trades left. I can't afford, even if Dusty averages 80 for the season, I think at this point, I, I genuinely just have to cop it. Otherwise, I'm not making full premium and I'm, I'm fielding someone like Curtis Taylor for the entire season. So um, please, I hope I'm not in that situation. But um, <laughs> it's got me thinking, like, I might have to keep Matt Rao. And I know saying have to is, is a bit crazy because he's the second highest averaging midfielder out of um, all yeah. those that have played there every week crazy. so far. But um, I'm I'm looking at holding Rao for the entire season as a genuine possibility to save myself having to make two trades. Well, with him, it would only be one anyway, really. But to save myself having to do that one up, one down um, for the premiums, and that saves me two trades. That means I might be able to trade out of Dustin Martin in a couple of weeks' time if he's really, really poor, like that, that sort of thing. So you might have to get creative, mate. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I think the... My initial strategy right now, I think at the start of the year, we all thought it would just be a situation where we hope he made a bit of cash, but he should score us some points. And then we'd, when he topped out, we'd trade him. I think this situation is telling me that Matty Rao, we have the intention to hold him at M8 um, because he's still a first-year player. It's unrealistic to expect him to average what he's averaging for the entire year. I think it's a more realistic expectation to hope that he keeps scoring well for the foreseeable future and he can be a really late sideways to someone um, that is a premium that has fallen in price that's coming into a good run. I think that's the scenario we will most likely fall fall into. I think that another thing to be aware of is that the... Um, like the romanticism around a rookie scoring like this is that people will be stubborn to trade him in when he does have a downtick. There'll be excuses made and we'll see maybe Matty Rao goes a flat 100, then he goes a 90, then he goes a 95 and he's just starting to taper off and people will be like, oh, you know, he's just, he's still scoring hundreds. I'm perfectly happy that at M8. But, you know, that's just the start of the trend as it comes down and then he might have a poor game and, 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 and end up as a uh, – he has a sub-par game and suddenly he starts losing money. So I think it's going to be key to watch and see if the tide does turn. I mean, we might have him for the entire year, like you say. That would be absolutely awesome. It could be a Tim Kelly scenario. But I think mm. the – I think, again, talking about the known commodities – Pick player that we have exposed history of full seasons and good scoring is my priority and what I'm going to be looking for. And I'm praying that the downtick on Rao takes a while because the higher his price, the more money he'll lose when he has a bad week. Whereas these rookies, they put out a, other rookies. Tyler Brown puts out a 45 this week. Eh, he might lose five grand. What's that to me? You know what I mean? Whereas Matty Rao puts out a bad week at 550k in a fortnight's time. Suddenly he's back below 500k, and so you've got to you're going to have to be quick on the trigger to get rid of him if you do predict that downturn. So that's just the one thing I'd say about that strategy. You know, Geelong have mentioned tagging him this week. Of course they have. That's, that's it, unbelievable, though. Isn't it's it? it shows it's how theatrics. Well he's going. 
They're not going to tag def- an 18-year-old. <laughs> it's definitely three theatrics, but I don't think he goes this entire season without getting tagged. And I think that's what we might have to be concerned with as uh, wow. him with a keeper. I, I genuinely, Big raps. Oh, he's had three games in a row with perfect 10 out of 10 coaches' votes. That's unbelievable. Well, he's got he's no one at Gold Coast to steal off him, does he? Uh, that that's kind of true, but there there are some performing players at the moment at the Gold Coast. I mean, they're what are they second or third on the ladder? Um, yeah, they'd be high up there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really look at the ladder being an Essendon supporter. Well, being a Port supporter, I haven't taken my eyes off it. So I, I've no, I, I I've no, you know the one thing I've one. noticed about you, JB, is when you Uh-oh. when you're really going well, you let everyone know about it. When you when uh, I've got it permanently, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on my deathbed, and I'm gonna remember your 2019 Supercoach year. I mean, unless you go higher, you know. What, what was our ranks? I've got 164 year? imprinted in my cerebral <laughs> cortex because I'll never get rid of it. I, you know, yeah. Every second you drop, well, well, you know, based on the fixtures and Port being at the top, you know, like it just fits it into every I just sentence. Want you it's funny. enjoy my success as much as I do, man. I was talking to you about. Uh, video games the other day and you're like well I was watching Port on the weekend in their top of the table clash <laughs> before I decided oh yeah like it just it just works it into every sentence it's crazy and, that, and that, that's when that's when I couldn't message you anymore and I was like wait you blocked me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. just come up with a you cannot respond to this individual <laughs> yeah black dead everything out and I was like oh no what have I done all right, mate. I think that to- that covers all the absolutely important topics in regards to Supercoach this week. The one thing I would mention is I'd just like to extend a thank you to the Supercoach community, particularly on on Twitter. It's nice to see in the last couple of weeks that, or the, you know, the last week or so, that there has finally been some positivity spread you know, to the guys that have been running the whole show and, you know, they, they've got lots to deal with like the rest of us with their own team. So um, keep it positive. Keep trying to find solutions to this fluid and uh, adapt to the, uh, the the environment that we're given. And that's part of the fun of playing this game, you know. And 20, 2020 is so unique because you get to try something with basically no risk of it. You know, previous years, if you took a risk and you knew what 90% of the competition was doing because we've kind of worked out what to do in a normal standard season two weeks in advance. This year, if you want to try something for the fun of it and you've got a good feeling about it, do it. If you want to be like JB and you get on Ridley and you get on Simpkin, you've got just a feeling in the waters, back yourself. Because I think that's the whole point of it and the whole fun of it and that positivity. And keep playing the game we love because Supercoach is just getting more exciting at this point because we're getting really into the guts of upgrade season on the horizon. And I'm getting excited, JB. And if you're ranked as poorly as I am, it's it's only more incentive to make fun moves. And enjoy Why are you staring at me on the camera like that? <laughs> ranked as poorly. No, hey, the, I think I'm ranked behind you. It, no, I'm two thousand behind. I don't. I don't appreciate those shots, mate. I'm trying to be positive over here. Two thousand behind. Yeah, and, and I'm ranked uh, two hundred. So you must be. <laughs> we're, we're traveling well at the moment. Us, us two. Um, I thought I'd just say as well. Uh, there wasn't a lot of rookie talk in the podcast. Obviously, it's filled with the injuries and the. Uh, moving fixtures at the moment. Um, we'll discuss, obviously, on the Thursday podcast, so um, a- a- assuming everyone gets named and hopefully we see the likes of Benel return and he's going to be a bubble boy as well to contest with these bubble people. Boy, so um, I think it is going to be a-, a long podcast on Thursday as well. Did we jinx Supercoach by not doing that Thursday podcast two weeks ago? Don't bring me into it. I wasn't going to be on it. I said we, Chizo. We're a team. No, no. I 
in your su- I, I didn't get included in your successes. I don't get included in your failures, mate. Okay. Did you jinx Supercoach is, is what I meant to say. Yeah. You so- told us not to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're just throwing me under the bus now, mate. <laughs> oh my gosh okay well I'll, uh, I'll quickly plug the Twitters before we jump off um, you can find myself at JB underscore DRIC but all it is is me liking the Monday Ladder report every single week so <laughs> maybe best to go follow someone like Chizo at Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC or at Pistol underscore DRSC or the main account at Dr underscore SC they go alright as well so um, thank you for tuning in I guess yeah, really appreciate it, community. If it is your first time listening to us, make sure to hit follow so you can get all our future updates. And if you're coming back for another podcast for us next week, we look forward to having you. JB, thanks for talking Supercoach with me tonight. Community, good luck. We'll see you later in the week. Hopefully some new rookies are named, some new cash to be generated. We'll talk to you again soon.